what a blessing. Our Lord's so kind, so good, so wonderful. Um, you know, I'm always uh, reminded, more than anything, it's easy to get caught up in the different aspects of, of getting ready to come to church and, and, you know, how sometimes it's crazy getting dressed, make sure you're here on time, uh, and worried about what you're going to wear, and then maybe worried about what other people wear, and worried about what you're going to eat afterward. And, and just a lot of things go through our minds. But the truth of the matter is, guys, we may be a congregation of many, but the audience is one. You see, the truth of the matter is, you out there are not the audience. Our God is the audience. He is the one to adore. And as we are here, we're here because He came. His love, exactly what Samantha sang about, He couldn't stay in the heavens. He had to come down to this lowly place out of love because He wanted to reach us. That was so critical to our God. Just a word... Uh, not only with the children's ministries, but tomorrow night, 5 o'clock, we'll have our Christmas Eve service, a time to celebrate, gift Christmas. And Wednesday, uh, we'll not have our normal services, but Monday we'll, we'll gather for that time. So I encourage you to come, be a part of that. Um, just a blessing, always is. In our scriptures this morning, uh, we'll read a couple of scriptures. Uh, at the end of chapters, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. And then we're going to turn over to Hebrews, chapter 1. Last verse of that chapter, verse 14. I'm going to ask when you find that to stand in our God's honor. Second Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. And then Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Let's pray. Master, You truly are the audience this morning. And here we are, God. We have our baggage. We come with our stuff. But thank you, Lord, that you came. Your your love was so great. You could have easily sat on your throne and looked at us. But you decided to enter humanity and to walk among us and ultimately to die for us. And as we think about you, Lord, just speak. Refresh us, Lord. Remake us, Lord. For some, Father, show us how great your love is that we may experience you for the first time. Father, just, Father, may your spirit be evident among us, Lord. We just need you, God. And so my prayer is, Lord, show up, Father. In your name we pray. The year was 1977. And the Schaefers were a young couple who deeply loved one another. They didn't have a lot of money. Uh, Terry w- uh, loved her husband, and, and she was searching for the perfect gift. And she kept going by this one store, and and she'd, she'd see the gift, but at the time, $127 was just too much for her. So she kept trying to figure out, 
You know, Dave, really, that's a perfect gift, but I don't have the money. And this was like in September, so finally she just went into the store. And she explained her situation. She said, my husband Dave is a policeman and he patrols this area. And this would just be the perfect gift for him. But I'll just be honest with you, I don't have $127. So what I would like to do, if at all possible, is to put some money down and then to give you money until it's paid for so that I can give this to him at Christmas. The guy said, look, if you can't trust a policeman, who, who are you going to trust? He said, i tell you what, put a little money down, go ahead and take the gift home. He said, I'll even gift wrap it for you. So she put some money down, gift wrapped the present, and she took it home. She was so excited. <laughs> she actually put it in a place in the closet uh, where her husband Dave could find it. And he found it. And she said, oh, just go ahead and open it up. She just couldn't stand it. She just couldn't wait till Christmas, she did. None of this uh, opening, peeking through the Christmas paper in the box to see what's in there. Let's just go ahead and celebrate. And so he opened up the gift, and they embraced, and said, honey, this really is the perfect gift. Flash forward a month in October. Dave gets a call while he's patrolling, and he heads in his police car to the scene of a crime. It's a drugstore that's being robbed. When he got there, uh, the suspect jumped in a vehicle and took off speeding. Dave followed in a high-speed chase, and then all of a sudden the suspect just stopped his car and parked. <laughs> really odd. So Dave parked. He had already called for backup, and he decided he was going to go ahead and, and make his way slowly and carefully toward the car. And right when he got a few feet from the driver's door of the car, the door flung open, the guy jumped out, pulled out a, a weapon, and shot him. <laughs> Just a few feet away in the chest. This was at night. The next morning, um, another police officer came, knocked on the door, told Terry, I have some good news, I have some bad news. The bad news is Dave has been shot. The good news is he's alive and he's fine and he'll be recovering in the hospital with a deep chest bruise. Because you see, the bulletproof vest that Terry was able to buy for Dave really was the perfect Christmas gift. We are covered with another type of protection a bulletproof type of vest that covers the heart that is very vulnerable and open to attack. I'm talking about Jesus Christ who covers us. Colossians 3.3, 3, it's one of my favorite verses. It says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What a beautiful picture. It says that, hey, your weakness, your the fact that you're fragile... The, the, the fact that, that there's no strength. God says, I will cover you. I will hide you. And you're safe. That's what Christmas is about. That the God of heaven gave this opportunity to bring His safety and His strength to you and me. To come to us. Um, turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Great section of Scripture uh, that reminds me about how wonderfully He covers us. 
Paul shares his testimony. He talks about all of his accomplishments in the first part of chapter 3. Then he comes down, actually at verse 7, he says, Whatever was to my prophet, all this great stuff I've done. He says, I consider it loss for the sake of Christ. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He says, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. He... he, He says, that righteousness that covers me, that righteousness that is for me. And notice Paul's heart here. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. He says, covered in you, in your righteousness, Lord, having what I cannot attain until that day I'm in Your presence. Fully alive and and fully free in Christ and no longer battling with this thing we know as sin. Um, what a beautiful truth. And, and this morning, I, I just want to share simply the wonderful story of Christmas. And when I look at it uh, through the angle of the busiest ones at that time of Christmas, it, it wasn't people. Uh, it, it wasn't the shopkeepers of Bethlehem. It wasn't all those who had to come for the census to be counted. It was the angels. The angels were the busiest ones. Notice in Hebrews chapter 1, that verse 14, he says, they're not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. So, what's the main job of an angel? To serve. They minister. They meet the needs of those who will inherit salvation. Those who need this righteousness to be covered with this work of Jesus Christ, uh, the, the Messiah, the promised one, the, the Holy One. And, and, and so I, I want to just march through here as we look at the different accounts of, of angels, as these ministering spirits as they came and, and as they proclaimed the joy of what was to transpire, what was to come. And turn with me, uh, Luke chapter 1. The gospel, the good news according to Luke. And uh, as we start in chapter 1 in uh, verse 5, it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah. Talks about that he was part of the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife, Elizabeth, a descendant of Aaron. Notice what it says about these two. They were both upright in the sight of God. They observed all the Lord's commandments, regulations blamelessly. They loved the Lord. But notice what it says in verse 7 here. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were well along in years. Just gives us this insight about this dear couple. Evidently for years, they wanted a child. But that had not been part of God's plan. And God loved them, even though there was this empty place, this heart that hurt. But, but I want you to notice as, you, as we go down through here, God hears the heart. Even when the words don't come out, He hears the heart, guys. 
Uh, drop down to verse 11, we see our appearance of the angel. An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. I want you to see here how God hears the heart. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a light to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. He would be a, a significant one in, in, in Jesus, uh, preparing the way for the Lord. But this angel came and, and he said to Zechariah, God's heard your heart. Uh, you know, it says in Psalm 37, verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And, and the angel says to him, Hey, I, I've heard you. I've heard Elizabeth. Don't be afraid. I, you will have a child. But Zechariah, he's like, What? We're kind of old. Uh, you know, this doesn't really happen when you get a few years on you. Uh, he's thinking this, you know. So in verse 18, he asked the angel, how, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife's well along in years. And the angel says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. The ministering angel <laughs> sent to serve those who will inherit salvation, who are looking for the promised one and with Zechariah here. And, and then he gives him what I call a spiritual spanking. He says, now you're going to be silent, not able to speak until that baby comes. Sometimes we all might need a little spiritual spanking. Sometimes we all might need to have the tongue tied a little bit. It gets out of control. You know, tongue goes in gear, brain goes in neutral, that kind of thing. And so his, his tongue was tied until that moment. Okay, that, that's the first appearing. Now we move down here and we read about uh, an angel of the Lord... Once again, um, verse 26, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to visit Mary. Now, uh, before this, we had seen... Uh, let, me, let me drop down to... Uh, let's see. That's good. Uh, anyway, talking about Mary, a virgin pledged to be married to Joseph. And notice the words the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, Mary was a young girl who uh, was a virgin, and more than likely she was younger than 16 years old. Doubtful she was over 16. And she thought, What? Highly favored? What is this about? And, and she's confused. She's troubled as we read here. But once again, the angel says, Hey, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. And he's a description that, Hey, you're going to be with child. You're going to give birth to a son. His name will be Jesus. He'll, he'll be great. Be called the Son of God, the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And, and here we go again. Verse 34, she says, How will this be? Since I'm a virgin. And... He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. <laughs> it, 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 there's, uh, he says here about Elizabeth's going to have a child too. It, it, God is at work. And, and I love verse 37, that, that reminder. He says, nothing is impossible with God. I love in the Amplified 
version of the scripture, it says, For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. God says, hey, I can handle it. This is what is going to occur. This is what is going to happen. As he speaks to Mary. As she was open to God at work. But then there's another one. Turn me back to the book of Matthew chapter 1. As the angel comes to Joseph. You know, it's interesting here as you look in this account. When the angel appears in person, people are always terrified and they're afraid because of the glory and majesty of God. But when an angel appears in the sleep, you don't read a fear. And in, in this case, uh, Joseph is asleep. The angel appears to him. Um, it talks out in chapter 1, verse 18, mentions Mary, pledged to be married to Joseph. Uh, they were engaged, but their type of engagement was more permanent than in, in our culture. They were actually considered to be married, considered already to be permanently connected and established. It says, Because Joseph was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. She was found to be the child of the Holy Spirit. But, hey, you know, we know about the birds and the bees. That's not how it happens. She's pregnant. Joseph discovers this. And he's a godly man. He doesn't want... He doesn't want her to suffer. He doesn't want to go through any more suffering himself. So he's decided he's just going to handle this quietly. He, he, he doesn't want to make a big deal out of this. But then notice the angel of the Lord appears to him in this dream. Verse 20. He says, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you're giving the name Jesus because He will save His people from their sins. I can't imagine how difficult it must have been for them in the days ahead. The talk, the gossip, everything that transpires. People didn't understand what was occurring in, in Mary's womb. It didn't understand God's plan. Malcolm Mugridge explained it this way. Uh, if you were to compare it to our modern day world. If this were to happen in our culture in our day. He says, in our day, with family planning clinics offering convenient ways to correct mistakes that might disgrace a family name, it is, in point of fact, extremely improbable under existing conditions Jesus would have been permitted to be born at all. Mary's pregnancy in poor circumstances and with a father unknown would have been an obvious case for an abortion. And her talk of having conceived as a result of the intervention of the Holy Ghost would have pointed to the need for psychiatric treatment and made the case for terminating her pregnancy even stronger. Thus, our generation needing a Savior, perhaps more than any that has ever existed, would be too humane to allow one to be born. Joseph simply obeyed all he knew in the tough days that lie. Right, now turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Of course, Luke chapter 2, that beautiful account at Christmas we look at it. Speaks of the shepherds. I know last week I, I talked about the shepherds. And as we discover these shepherds, uh, it says they were living out in the fields nearby, verse 8, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. <laughs> the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Here we go again. The angel said, Don't be afraid. <laughs> I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. 
This will be a sign and you'll find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And while this is occurring, a great company of the heavenly hosts, man, a whole bunch of angels appeared pleasing God and saying, Often we picture them singing, but it says that they spoke this. Now, as you look in the Scripture, it's interesting describing what angel voices sound like. Now, there's one place in the Scriptures they're described as sounding like a trumpet. Another place it talks about them sounding like many trumpets. Then there's a place that talks about angels, they sounded like roaring water. But it was a... And then another place, thunder. Anyway, it was a very majestic, powerful sound as they spoke. And notice what they said here in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom His favor is. Now, I, I thought I'd have a little fun here. Uh, I'm not trying to say that you guys are angels. But the angels had said this in a worship and in praise. I thought it'd be fun for us to say it a few times together. I don't know if you guys can sound like roaring waters or just a tr uh, trickle or drip, but uh, let's share this in praise to God. I had asked them back there to get the verse up there for us. Very good. So on the count of three, eh, let's do it three times and share together. Ready? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. Good. Let's try a little louder. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. One more time. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. And then it, it says that they were guided, these shepherds were guided to the presence of, of Mary and Joseph. What must that have been like for Mary and Joseph? I mean, I... I can't imagine the expectation this baby is born. And, and I, I thought that song, Breath of Heaven, and, and thinking when Mary's close enough to that baby and feeling the very breath of heaven upon her face. And first time to hear that cry, to hear the voice of God, and, and to be able to hold Him. How, how humbling and, and, and what an incredible, uh, amazing experience. And then you think about these shepherds that were called not people of nobility, not people that would grace the faces of popular magazines and, and the media, but these common shepherds are the ones God called. And, and you know, that always reminds me how God loves everybody. You may think you're forgotten. You may think you're not loved. You may have deep regrets and think, eh, God doesn't care about me. I guess a half a dozen times in my ministry, I visited people and encouraged them to come to church and, and they would say, if I was to walk in that church preacher, the roof would fall in. If you knew everything I had done, he does. I don't. And, and I'm not asking you to tell me, okay? <laughs> I don't necessarily know all that stuff. But what matters is God knows us inside and out, and He still loves us. There's nothing you have done that His love is not deeper still. He can reach out to you and He can embrace you and He wants to forgive you. And, and that's part of the joy of what Christmas is about, guys. It, it reminds us that our God is able and wants to love you, wants to share His love. And, and, and that's the whole deal of Him coming and, and sharing His heart with us. Um, Christmas as the angels ministered. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 
uh, verses 9 through 11, it talks about the gospel. And it talks about the prophets that predicted the gospels and the glories that would come. And then you get down to verse 11, and the last phrase in that verse says, Even angels long to look into these things. These ministering spirits sent to help those who would inherit salvation. They did not receive the salvation. That is not what they were created for. They were created to minister. Their job, their role, was created to guide us to salvation. To communicate with us the vast love of God. To to tell us this great story that never grows old. That God loved us so much that He left heaven and came and He walked among us and He marched as the perfect sinless Lamb of God, God to the cross to die for us and to express His love in a perfect manner. I want to close by, by sharing with you um, an account in a novel by J.B. Phillips who uh, written the Phillips translation, which was a paraphrase that uh, really, but, but that I've enjoyed through the years. Anyway, this is in one of uh, Phillips' books. And the setting is two angels, a mentor angel and a young apprentice. And the angel is sharing with him about watching us. And this issue of redemption and salvation. Uh, listen. Once upon a time, a very young angel was being shown around the splendors and glories of the universe by a senior and experienced angel. To tell the truth, the little angel was beginning to be tired and a little bored. He'd been shown whirling galaxies, blazing suns, infinite distances in the deathly cold of interstellar space. And to his mind, there seemed to be an awful lot of it all. Finally, he was shown the galaxy of which our planetary system is but a small part. As the two of them drew near to the star, which we call our sun and its circling planets, the senior angel pointed to a small and rather insignificant sphere turning very slow on its axis. It looked as dull as a dirty tennis ball to the little angel, whose mind was filled with the size and glory of what he'd seen. I want you to watch that one particularly, said the senior angel, pointing with his finger. It looks small, rather dirty to me, said the little angel. What's special about that one? That, replied his senior solemnly, is the visited planet. Visited, said the little one. You don't mean visited by... Indeed I do. That ball, which I have no doubt looks to you small and insignificant, perhaps over clean, (laughs) has been visited by our young Prince of Glory. And at these words he bowed his head reverently. But how? queried the younger one. Do you mean that our great and glorious prince with all these wonders and splendors of his creation and millions more that I'm sure I haven't seen yet went down in person to this filth-rate little ball? Why would he do a thing like that? It isn't for us, said his senior little stiffly. question why, except that I must point out to you that he is not impressed by size and numbers as you seem to be, but that he really went, I know, and all of us in heaven who know anything about that as to why he became part of them how else do you suppose he could visit them? The little angel's face wrinkled in disgust. Do you mean to tell me, he said, that he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping crawling creatures of that floating ball? I do and I don't think he would like you to call them creeping crawling creatures In that tone of voice, young angel. For strange as it may seem to us, he loves them. 
He went down to visit them, to lift them up, to become like Him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond his comprehension. Close your eyes for a moment, said the senior angel. And we'll go back to what they call time. While the little angel's eyes were closed and the two of them moved nearer the spinning ball, it stopped its spinning, spun backwards quite fast for a while, and then slowly resumed its rotation. Now look. And as the angel did as he was told, there appeared here and there on the dull surface of the globe little flashes of light. Some merely momentary and some persisting for a while. Well, what am I seeing now, queried the little angel. You're watching this little world as it was thousands of years ago. Every flash and glow of light, you see, is something of the Father's knowledge and wisdom. Not many people can hear His voice or understand what He says. Why are you so blind and deaf and stupid, asked the young angel. It's not for us to judge them. We who live in the splendor have no idea what it's like to live in the dark. We hear the music and the voice like the sound of many waters every day of our lives. But to them, well, there's much darkness and noise and distraction upon the earth. Only a few who are quiet and humble and wise hear His voice. But watch in a moment, you'll see something wonderful. The earth went turning and appeared a light, tiny, but so bright in its intensity that both the angels hid their eyes. I think I can guess, said the little angel in a low voice. That was the visit, wasn't it? Yes, that was the visit. The light Himself went down there and lived among them. But in a moment, and you'll be able to tell that even with your eyes closed, the light will go out. But why? Could He not bear their darkness and stupidity? Did He have to return here? It wasn't that. Returned the senior angel, his voice stern and sad. They failed to recognize Him for who He was, or at least only a handful knew Him. For the most part, they preferred their darkness to His light. In the end, they killed Him. The fools, the crazy fools. They don't deserve... Neither you nor I nor any other angel knows why. But the fact remains, they killed our Prince of Glory. And that, I suppose, was the end. I see the whole earth's gone black and dark. All right, I won't judge them, but surely that is all they could expect. Wait, wait. we're still far from the end of the story of the visited planet. Watch now. Be, be ready to cover your eyes again. In utter blackness, the earth turned around three times and there blazed with unbearable radiance a point of light. What now? asked the little angel. They killed him, all right, but he conquered death. The thing most of them dread and fear all their lives, he broke and conquered Thank God for that, said the little angel. Open your eyes now. The dazzling light's gone. The prince returned his home of light. Watch the earth now. As they looked in place of the dazzling light, there was a bright glow which throbbed and pulsated, and the earth turned many times. A, a few flickered and died, but for the most part, the lights burned steadily, and they continued to watch many parts of the globe. You see what's happening, asked the senior angel. The bright glow is the company of loyal men and women he left behind, and with his help, they spread the glow, and now lights begin to shine all over the earth. Yes, the angel said impatiently, how, how does it end? Will the little lights join with each other? Will it be light as it is in heaven? His senior shook his head. We don't know. It is the Father's hands. Sometimes it's His agony to watch and sometimes joy unspeakable. The end is not yet. But now I'm sure you can see why this little ball is so important. He has visited it. He is working out His plan upon it. Yes, I see, though I don't understand. I shall never forget... This is the visited planet. Okay. Angels are looking. They can't grasp. They can't fully understand this concept of sin. The beauty of forgiveness. The idea of redemption. It's not for them. It's for you. And it's for me.
And uh, as we get ready to bow in prayer in a moment, the question always is, uh, do you know Him? His forgiveness. His hope. Because everything else pales in comparison. It says the earth and everything in it will pass away, but not our Lord. Not His hope, not His Word. And, and we have an altar here to come if God calls you be here just to pray however God may be at working. Maybe there's someone here that has never quite understood the whole grasp of why do people go to church? What is that all about? It's because He came. It's because He, he lived among us and, and then He died for us. And, and He sits as the resurrected one providing us new hope. And, and He wants other people to experience that. And, and that's what it's about. We just celebrate what He's done. So I'm going to have a word of prayer and ask you guys to stand and, and sing and as God calls to come let's pray Lord uh, we love you Lord and you love us more and Father as I think about those angels watching and not quite understanding uh, I think about us Lord the gift waits in the busyness of gifts the gift waits some have received some not yet why not today as I think of Christy wanting today to be baptized on her birthday to say, I'm also born into the family of God. I want you to know, share that together today. Thank you for that. Maybe there's someone else here, Lord, that's ready. Right. Father, you're always about taking us where we are and loving us. You know who's here. You know where they've been. You know it. Father, uh, just draw them to you. We love you, Lord. Have your way. In the name of Jesus, we pray.